Welcome to the Beautiful and True Project podcast. This is a place where we talk about beauty and truth, the things that are most important to us, the things that ground us, and the things that uplift us. My guests are not celebrities. They are, in many ways, leading kind of ordinary lives, but they pay extraordinary attention to the world around them, and that makes the difference. My guest this week is Marissa Gora, a landscape designer, a business owner, and a person who stops and takes notice of everyday beauty. Today, we talk about how leadership and owning a business is entirely about connection, why you should always step away from your email when the sky is yellow, and the recipe for an easy, refreshing summer cocktail. Well, hi, Marissa. Hello. What's new in your world? What's new in my world? There's yeah. not a whole lot new um, other than some really, really hot weather. It's been in the 90s. Yeah, and it's supposed to be in the 90s for a number of days, which is a little bit brutal. So I'm happy to have the long weekend off. So the reason, dear listener, that the weather is important is because... Marissa Gora, my guest today, is a landscape designer. She is the founder and owner of Kimora Landscapes. The reason I wanted to talk to you is because I've known you for a couple of years and I know a little bit about your work and how cool it is. Uh, I really like seeing the pictures on your website of some of the spaces you've designed. And I had the good fortune of being in your own backyard. <laughs> yes. last weekend and it's lovely it is such a lovely space it is homey and beautiful and feels good to be in that is a new development because they always joke about like uh you know the what is it the cobbler that kids have no shoes or something because yeah. that's what my yard looked like for many many years um and but it was because I knew that I had this you know, project, this edition I was doing. And so everything I did was just kind of like, eh, makeshift. It's like, well, someone's throwing this plant away. I'll just put it in. And someday I'm going to do something that I plan. And so um, this year I finally got to the, to be able to do that for the first time. And it, it's been wonderful. And it really does. Um, it really does drive home for me just how nice it is for people to have a space that they feel comfortable in, happy in, um, proud of, you know, I think it really makes a big difference. I've been going out there and I, it just, you know, you just feel kind of centered, just being Mm -hmm. able to have some space that feels like your own. So. I know you have, uh, commercial as well as residential clients. Very few, Uh, actually. Very few. Oh, really? So yeah. It's mostly residential? uh Uh-huh. The only commercial people we have are things like, um, so mostly people will contact us if they're wanting something that has a certain flair or flavor or uniqueness to it. Um, so in fact, I have a friend right now, I really have been kind of dropping the ball who is needing um, like an outdoor seating area for their restaurant, like pulled out of the air to try to keep up with this COVID restriction stuff. Right. And, um, you know, in terms of just having some kind of look and style and try to do it as inexpensively as possible because it's an unexpected expense, um, which adds an extra challenge. Um, 
but they want it to look good, you know? So an extra challenge for both you and them, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think exactly. we're, they weren't expecting, they were Ew. expecting COVID to shut down their restaurant. No. And they're downtown. So yeah. Ooh. Tricky. Yeah. God, I have so many questions to ask you that I've never, I've never really gotten to sit down and talk to you about this before. Um, Isn't that fun? This is so fun. I know. When you go to somebody's home, what kind of spaces are they looking, are they looking to make? Do you think that most of your clients are looking to create something that is, that does feel homey and, and exciting, or are they looking for something that is, um, more stylized does it just depend on the person or do you have a sense of yeah most people want something cozy and to invite people over to or unfortunately now there's sort of a trend of you know how they used to say you have to keep up with the joneses and now it's like you have to keep up with hgtv and instagram oh Um, yeah so like I think a lot of people like have this expectation of making this really picture perfect inviting space you know um, which is fine. And I'm really, you know, I can, I can paint that picture for them based on the things that they show me, but I really enjoy people who are trying to find something that feels more personal. So mm-hmm. the reason I say it, so if you ever go around the city of Chicago and you see all these brand new, um, houses being built, most of them will look exactly the same. Because mm-hmm. it's the current style. It's like what you're supposed to be doing. You know, um, I could go through the decades as to what that look is. The current look is, believe it or not, these like plain white farmhouse houses, which I think stick out like a sore thumb in Chicago, but apparently it's like the cool trend. Um, well, yeah. What's a, I mean, when you say farmhouse, I'm picturing some kind of slightly victorian looking with gables and what is that doing next no. to brownstones well that's the thing so they're like probably a hardy board white which is so stark and then usually mm-hmm. like a dark dark gray or black accent like the black windows with with the white siding and there's actually an entire neighborhood on milwaukee avenue over near irving and milwaukee that is like all of the houses were built together and they're all white with like black roof and black windows. And it's just like, what, (laughs) you know, Um, I need to see that. So it's sort of the, that's the current, current kind of trend. Um, But that happens in landscaping. So then everyone's like, Oh, I want this kind of contemporary look patio and this kind of, and you pretty much taking the picture out of a book and just kind of sticking it there for them, which is like, fine, you know, we could do that. But I like people who, who like to have something really personalized. That's I like to be there in the space with them, get to know them, get a feel for what it is they're trying to create and, um, you know, kind of make that a reality. And so that's mm-hmm. a little bit more fun. Um, I can knock out, you know, like a built-in kitchen with a pergola, with a bluestone patio, you know, in my sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but people and and people think it's like the most fascinating, like awesome thing. And I'm like, yeah, but I can find 10,000 pictures of the same thing. Um, so people get stuck on, you know, kind of get dr- sucked into those kind of trends. Um, mm-hmm. So, Which at first it's like, oh, this is a cool material. And then after you use it 10 times, you're like, I'm so over this. Can we get a little more creative? <laughs> I'm sorry. I think this is very funny. It's almost like they have a picture in their head of what a, a, a garden or an outdoor space should look like. Yeah. And yeah. then they want you to give them that. 
maybe the difference is between people who are designing based on what they think people will judge versus designing towards what they themselves really want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a really big difference between being in touch with themselves versus being like, I need to present this and have a certain standard for when people come over. And there's, there's definitely a different feel. Well, I think that's, I think <laughs> if you don't mind me saying so, I think what you're talking about may be that one is kind of true and one isn't. Mm-hmm. One is true to the, the the person living there, the family living there, and yeah. the other is an idea that they're imposing on it. That's absolutely uh, that's that's absolutely right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is why I wanted to talk to you. So uh, I want to know about what is the what is the most interesting or the the one of your favorite projects that you've gotten to work on. Like, how did it start? What was the process like? What did it end up looking like? I'm looking for something that felt really, kind of really meaningful to both you and to your client. Oh, that's a good question because I have a, I have a number of clients who really will still to this day say that like their backyard is their joy. You know, it's where they mm-hmm. love. Um, in fact, I was talking to somebody, uh, was it yesterday, who said, how how happy they are with their backyard that I did for them years ago, that they just absolutely love it. And that if they ever get rid of the house, they're not going to be sad about the house. They're going to be sad about the yard. <laughs> and Aww. I was like, yeah. Um, because I think it does give us space for people. I mean, especially living in the city, like having outdoor space is really uh, special, you know, where you can just be outside in your own space is, is limited here in Chicago. So it is, it's very limited. I'm going to pause for a second because there's a big old helicopter going overhead and it is absolutely being picked up. Well, then I can refill my, my beverage. Yeah. Go get more drink. (laughs) Well, I brought it in here so I didn't have to get up and move the computer again. Like I did last time. Uh, What are you drinking? Um, You'll laugh because every, my friends all make fun of me that I'm like only like girly drinks, but there's this Smirnoff uh, that's only a, out in the summer it's called red white and berry and it's basically like a blue raspberry flavor (laughs) (laughs) and i like to drink it with um blood orange san pellegrino so it's like my summer drink you put it on ice and it's like just a really sweet fruity beverage but it's really nice so that's i'm not gonna laugh at that that sounds delicious it's like feels like a fun uh like a fun fancy cocktail with actually it being really easy and not very creative so that's perfect then yeah fun fun cocktails always seem like a great idea and then when you look at the list of ingredients you're like seriously that's a good like uh, mango juice pineapple juice you know like all this shit you're never going to use again you know, it's like no thanks right it ends up being 25 bucks for one cocktail <laughs> right exactly um okay is your helicopter gone yes thank you okay um, I want to. I want to go back to the the client that you did their backyard, and they said that they were going to miss the house. They weren't going to miss the house. They were going to miss the yard. Mm-hmm. What kind of space did you create for them? What do you think makes that special for them? Um, you know, I think. Well, and this is what I was going to say about that was that what I really love about designing for people in small spaces in the city 
is really maximizing and getting everything they want out of a space that they really think they can't have, you know? Um, so people will give me a long laundry list or show me this picture and they're like, I know, I know this is impossible, you know? And the part of me that loves solving logic problems like snaps right away into like, okay, how can we logistically get these things that fit and what kind of wasted space do we have that we can recover, that we can make useful. And so my brain starts to go like, a, you know, a mile a minute trying to figure out how can I get all that stuff to fit in here? How can I make this work? What, what things can I double duty to like make it possible um, to give them everything they want? And I think people, I think what I enjoy most is when people are really pleasantly surprised that I'm able to deliver them something that they thought was impossible. Can you give me an example of, of something that somebody was like, I know you can't, I know you won't be able to do this. Okay. So the, the best example is this woman who gave me, she lives in Chicago near the garden center. So up in Andersonville, it was all the new houses that were built on Rose Hill. And she sent me a picture of a like French chateau or something that was like, basically a huge expansive tiered terraces out of stone. Mm -hmm. mm. And she was like, I just love this look. I just, I, and I know I could never have, you know, it just isn't possible because the space was, you know, a standard city lot 25 by, I don't know, the backyard is probably 25 by 20 or something like that. But they did have an interesting slope, like a little bit of a, of a hill after the house was built. And I was like, I think I can do something like this, you know? So I basically re redesigned her deck, put some stone columns on the deck and then came down to a landing that then had like a stone wall that like, then you stepped down with like rounded stone steps down to a patio. Um, and we're talking like a patio that fit maybe like two little love seats and a table. <laughs> so we're talking a small <laughs> space and then there was grass and there was plants, you know? So I kind of like, shrunk it down as small as I could but the essence of it was there you know mm -hmm. and um she was really happy with it and I was really kind of um pleased that I was that she felt like okay you you did it you picked up the piece that I needed that I wanted and you made it happen in this really really small space and I'm talking like this picture she gave me the terraces were probably like 75 feet wide <laughs> and like 10 steps down between each you know what i'm talking you're about talking about like you're talking like a palace the gardens yeah. of a palace yeah. yeah yeah i mean it was like it was hilarious when she said she showed me the photo but um that's the thing i think that gets me into trouble but also gets me some you know credit in certain places is like people will show me that stuff and as soon as they sort of put that challenge like i don't think this can be done i'm like oh let me try <laughs> let me see what i can do I have, and I know, and I know a lot of other landscapers and other designers that are just kind of like, oh, that's impossible. You can't do that. And they just, and I'll, I'll see a lot of people who they're like, well, I had two contractors here and said that it, it can't be done or it's not. And I'm like, that's because people don't want to put any extra effort. Let me think about it, you know, and then I'll come back with something and I'll, I'll ruminate about it for like a week mm -hmm. and lay in bed at night. And, and then like, I'll tell them I have something by Tuesday and like Monday night, I'm up to like midnight being like, what am I going to do? I need something. I need something that like, captures that thing that they're asking for and i'll fall asleep and wake up at like 5 30 and be like i got it and i'll like 
draw in like 20 minutes and then like bring it to them last minute and be like, okay, I think I got it. I like that feeling. Yeah. I mean, I can tell your, your voice just got super excited as you were talking about it. Um, as you're talking, it sounds like you're trying to capture the essence of what they're seeing in this image. Is it whether it's whether it's the material or the spaciousness of it or something? You're tr- you're trying to find what they love about this and give them that, even if it's not, even if it can't be identical. Yeah, like you can't do seventy five foot terraces. So so much of this is reading between the lines. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. tell you, I when I have new designers that I'm working or I have interns that I'm trying to like teach them about the design process and all that, like the big key is not really hearing what the words the person is saying, but hearing what they're trying to communicate to you, you know? And Mm -hmm. if someone is not in the design world and it's not their focus, like they're inevitably going to be using words that are not right, you know? And so you have to like really get below that or like when they show you a picture, you know, I never just take that picture and copy it. I ask them, what about this picture do you like, you know? Because it doesn't matter the plants. I mean, you could take that picture and say, okay, I'll just use those plants that lady asked for and I'll just put them in there. No problem. Easy breezy. Like I don't have to think about it. But the truth of the matter is it may not even, it has nothing to do with those particular plants. It has everything to do with the arrangement or the feel or Mm -hmm. just the ambiance that it's creating, you know? And so even like the way they request things, you know, they'll, they'll ask for certain things and I'll say all the time, well, well, why are they asking for that? What are they trying to do? Because sometimes what they're specifically asking for is going to not give them that, you know? And so somebody else comes mm-hmm. in and just smacks it right where they say it. And, and, you know, it's like, oh, I want a patio here because I really want to have this really nice feel, this really comfortable place to go. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is the worst place to sit. I, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like in my mind, I'm like, oh, you got this way wrong, but I'm not going to say it. You know, you don't, you don't say that. You're just like, okay, I understand. So if I'm sitting here, here's how I would feel. What do you think about sitting over here? How does that feel? Oh yeah. Okay. I see what you're talking about. You know, so you have to kind of like help people work through um, and get to what they're, you know, the core of what they're really looking for. And if you can do that, then what you design is going to be spot on, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, that carries over to just even relating to people like in terms of I've, I've never been considered in my own mind, a salesperson. I've really felt like I'm somebody who just tries to connect to people. Um, and I'm a very soft salesman. Like I basically like, it's your choice. Like, here's the options. Here's what I think you, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a hard salesperson. And, um, I think a lot of that is the same thing where, when people are responding a certain way to you in a space, you have to get read between the lines and figure out what it is, you know, that's going on with them so that you can, can better communicate and relate to them. Because I have people, you know, they, they see a customer and the customer is really tense and has this really um, aggressive energy. And then people just right away discount them like, Oh, they're difficult. They're just a pain. They're this, they're that. And and they don't want to like deal with them. And I'm like, but do you hear the questions they're asking? Like the questions that they're asking are because they just had a contractor here who was terrible, took them for a ride, didn't deliver. Like 
they're they have like a, a little bit of PTSD, you know, like in terms of dealing with a contractor. So if you can understand that that's where they're coming from and the edge in their voice is about that, being afraid of being taken advantage of, then you can go right to the source and you can start giving them the information that will comfort them in terms of feeling secure. And then you can have a very successful relationship with that customer, you know? Okay. You say, you say you're not a salesperson, but I have done a small study of sales Mm -hmm. as part of and sales technique as part of my um, my other marketing life. Mm-hmm. This is it. Mm-hmm. The best salespeople are are listeners, yeah. not necessarily talkers. We have this idea of salespeople as being really amazing talkers. They can talk you into anything, and it's really more that they they just listen really intently. Well, I agree with you in in the sense of what's successful salespeople. When I use the word word salesperson, I think of what we use, uh, what people think of as a stereotypical salesperson. Like I often will say, I'm not a car salesman. So no offense right. to people who sell cars, but they're a perfect example of someone who is really more just, you know, the sale focused. They really just need to well, make the sale. Yeah, that's certainly a stereotype. But um, in the in the book I was reading, which of course I can't remember, that's going to be a theme of the podcast, friends, is me not being able to remember where I get my information, which is terrible. I have to see the show notes. Um, though the book I was reading was talking about how you have the stereotypical car salesman, the used car salesman who is always out to try and make a buck and is going to sell you a lemon. And then you have another car salesman who is just interested in helping you find the right thing. Right. And the the difference in their actual sales numbers is tremendous because nobody wants to be, nobody wants to go to a stereotypical salesperson. They want somebody who's going to listen to them and then solve the problem that they don't even know they have. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also an investment long term because the thing is, is those people have people that return to them because they felt exactly. And so initially yeah. you'll say, oh, you didn't make that. You lost that sale today. And it's like, yeah, you know what? But I just down the road, you find out that that person got a couple more sales. I, I've often told people in my office, they're like, oh, I got this call. It's like not, you know, it's probably a waste of time. And I said, me being on someone's porch is never a waste of time me making a connection with somebody, even if that job doesn't end up to be something, they might have a friend and say, you know what? I really liked her. She like, you know, she listened. It didn't work out for what we were looking for, but you know, give her a try, you know? And aside from that, I, this is the story I tell all my employees that work for me. I had a, um, a client a long time ago and this is where we're small. And, you know, I had gone to her house and, um, she said, you know, I really just, I need this fountain clean. How much would you charge to clean the fountain? And I was like, <laughs> oh man, I can't send a crew over to do that. I just, I'll just come over and clean it. Cause I just, you know, there's a roof deck downtown and I charge her, I said, I'll charge you 250 bucks. No big deal. And I brought the woman that worked with me um, at the time. She was like my only full-time employee. And we went over there and started cleaning it and it turned into a nightmare. I mean, because by the time we got there, there was so much algae. It was so gross. Oh, <laughs> we no. not for sure we are going to pick up some kind of, like, bacterial disease from being in the water, scrubbing all the stones <laughs> and everything. And she was like, this was the worst. And she's like, this was totally, we should have charged way more than this. And I said, yeah, well, we'll know next time. That's fine. So she's happy. 
the next year she calls again can you come clean the phone and we're like no, should be easier this year, maybe. <laughs> right, but she was such a nice woman. We were just like, oh, okay, we'll come over. We'll we'll clean the fountain again, clean the fountain again, and then I don't know. She loved us. She wrote us a great review, and I said, there you go. See, at that time it was right when reviews were starting to be online, and that's when everybody was starting to feel like it was valuable. Now I feel like online reviews don't have any value at all. But back then it was like wow, this is awesome. Like all these people we do work for, like we did this stupid little job for her and she wrote us a great review. Like this is going to be valuable to us. And then I think like three years later, she asked us to redo her entire roof deck and it was like a $35,000 project. There you go. And I was like, these little seeds that you put, you know, and you just nurture these relationships with people. If it wasn't her, it would have been somebody that she referred me to. You know, it's like connections, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I think are really important. They are. And I think we think of, well, I don't know. Never mind. I'm not going to, that's a, that's a, that's a tunnel I don't want to go through. Um, Cause I was going to go down this whole rabbit hole about how people think of business as being all cutthroat and everything, but it actually is much, much more about building, building oh my good God. relationships with people. I, I would love to go on that hole. That is, that would preach that all day to people. I would preach it all day because I really, and most of the books I read about business and leadership are of that genre, talking about how much, and even in my own business, like if you ask me what I do, part of what I like to do, um, it's really about taking care of people. And it's like, oh, a lot of people say, oh, she's a landscaper. And everyone just like in your head, like, take, and in my mind, I'm like taking care of people. And I take care of people in a way that's different than a lot of other landscapers because I am tuned into them as a person. And I do really try to take care of them when I'm in this process with them, you know? And so I really do believe that like, you know, business is really, I think if you're going to be successful in business, you can't be focused on just the business, the product, the getting the head, the being at the top, that's not going to get you anywhere. You have to, sincerely in your heart be passionate about what you're doing and care about taking care of the people that you're you're serving you know well and for you i know that it's not just taking care of the people that you serve you also really take care of your your staff your employees your crews oh Um, yeah yeah i i have i have heard you talk about them and um I don't think I've ever seen you interact with them, but I've heard stories about the lengths you go to make sure that they feel appreciated and cared for. And I think that's just absolutely beautiful. Um, I I know it. Yeah. I know it's really important to you and I think you've already kind of answered why, but what, why is it important to you that, that your employees feel almost like they're part of a family? Or well, am I, I am I overstepping by saying that? By no, that's that's true. I think the thing is for me is there's two different two different elements to it. One is just the whole idea of how we spend more of our life doing being at our job than a lot of other things, you know. Um, so when I started my company, more than anything, I wanted it to be a place where people could feel at home and. Um, just happy to come to, uh, come to work, 
be a part of a group that feels like they're, you know, connected and respected and cared for, you know, um, mm -hmm. I think that's part of it. Um, the other part of it is to really understand that these people that, that work with me are, are an extension of me. They're, they're what makes me be able to touch more people's lives. You know what I mean? So if I was doing this by myself, I know when I was doing it by myself, I was doing only probably a sixth of what I'm doing now, you know, in terms of getting into people's yards and taking care of them. So mm -hmm. the people that are working for me, I rely on them to sort of transmit the essence of what I'm trying to give to people. It needs to go through them, you know? And I just feel like, how could I value my customers more than the people that are doing this for me, you know? So I feel like if I show them how much I care and respect them, then it's going to transmit through them to care and respect for our customers, you know? You're creating an entire culture of care and connection and relationship. I hope so. I mean, that's, that's the goal. I mean, one of the biggest, the biggest struggles I had in business in terms of it growing and me, me changing from just a individual designer into a business owner that has, I mean, I have over 30 people now. So mm -hmm. when it started to grow, all of a sudden I realized that I have these people that are extensions of me, but they're totally disconnected from me. And they, I, I mean, I could hire someone off the street and they go out there and, you know, are they doing the work the way that I want it to be done? And then I started to do a lot of reading and starting to understand the whole idea of the culture that you create in a, in a company. And I realized that somebody has to be driving that, you know, mm -hmm. like when I used to work with three guys and I worked with them every day, when I showed up on site and I interacted with them personally, they, it just absorbed, you know? And I realized that when I grew and I couldn't be with everybody every day and I couldn't have the casual conversations and the, you know, it's stuff that you totally take for granted that you say and the way that you react or the way that they observe you respond to customers, you know, like if they could observe me respond to customers all day, they can absorb that. When it got to a point where I couldn't be on site all the time, they're sort of on their own. And I realized mm -hmm. that how important it is for me to step up and start intentionally influencing um, the culture and, and what they understood to be our, our general operating, you know, expectations. And so me interacting with them on a personal level is the only, was the best way I knew how to communicate to them. People say all the time, like, Oh, I, I'm totally respectful of people. And then you watch what they do and they're not respectful. You know, do you learn that? It, it's like kids learning from a parent. When, you know, it's like, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> it's not a great way to teach. You know, they, they're not going to pick up that lesson. They watch what you do. But I think it's absolutely true that, I mean, that's a, that's a hallmark of leadership is being able to really model for people the environment that you're trying to create. Well, I think the biggest thing is like, I, I didn't know any other way. I didn't go to business school. I didn't, I didn't take any classes on this. Like I basically was scrambling and like, shit, this is starting to go a way I don't want it. 
you know, there's all these arms out here that are doing the, like something that's not what I want to represent as a company. Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I get a hold of that? And I realized the only thing I knew how to do was to start, start, start teach, start showing them a little bit more the way I would treat them so that they would then understand that that's the way we should be treating other people. You know, the biggest thing is like respecting each other. Right. So when there's conflict in the yard, the way that I try to resolve that and show respect to everybody, or when a customer comes out and doesn't respect my crew, I need them to know that I'm going to come in there and make sure that they're protected. There is no reason why they have to be subject to somebody who's disrespecting them. And so that has always been a huge, huge thing for me is that if somebody is, is disrespecting them, that I will not stand for that and that I will mm-hmm. come in and protect them. And if it means getting rid of our customer, then that's what I got to do. You know, <laughs> those are some values, man. Those yeah. are, I, I, I just, I love it. Um, uh, there are lots and lots of companies that talk about respect and building connections and uh, healthy conflict resolution and all those things, and they don't really know how to do it. So I, I know you as a people person anyway, but it sounds like you also um, did a quite a bit of reading on do business and leadership and... Yeah. Well, my mom's favorite line is to say that I have the most expensive degree for a landscaper in existence because I have a degree from the University of Chicago, but I am a landscaper, as people will say. But what did you study at University of Chicago? Psychology. Well, there you go. (laughs) Well, I. This is this is this. Psychology was an aside. I I originally wanted to go to medical school and that's what I thought I wanted to do since I was in like first grade. And Mm. I wanted to do that all the way until like my junior, my third year of college. um, When I finally realized that in medicine, you don't really get to take care of people as a doctor. And the more I got into it and I realized I was like, okay, best case scenario, I have like a practice where I can just, you know, have reasonable hours and not like crazy hospital hours. And then it's like, great. My schedule is like every 15 minutes, I step in a room, ask a couple questions and then bust out into the next room. And I'm like, what kind of relationship is that? And how, how, how much are you really fostering um, a relationship of care? And I really just lost sort of my, romanticized version of what it would mean to be a doctor and take care of somebody. And, um, in landscaping, Mm -hmm. I, like I said, I, I do feel like I found a a avenue where I can care for people, not have a risk of killing them. Hopefully until this year. (laughs) I mean, I mean, you mean with the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the first time that we like, Not with your unsafe landscape architecture. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, luckily around oh. here, we're really flat. So there's not a lot we can do that'll end up like, you know, causing any problem for anybody. But the, my, my biggest takeaway from the University of Chicago is that um, the best skill you can acquire is how to teach yourself. And that was their biggest thing is knowledge, you know, is life. Like, you always want to cultivate knowledge and, and seek knowledge. And thank God for that, because when I got my first job and was in charge of a landscape 
design company and I was right out of, in fact, I wasn't even graduated yet when I first started there. It was like, okay, you're, you're in charge. Like, how about you um, figure out why this doesn't work well? And how about we have a new estimating system? And how about we, let's create a database. And it's like, what? <laughs> okay. And I remember they came to me and said, like, we, we want to create a new estimating system. And it, it could be on this platform that's like a database platform. And here's a book that teaches you how to use that database. And it was like a thousand pages long or something. It was like the fattest book I've ever seen. They like slapped it on my desk. And I was like, are you for real? Like, you, I'm supposed to just crash course myself on this database and write you guys a new estimating program? What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. So I did a little research and was like, um, there's already a company that has an estimating program. Why don't we think about buying theirs? Because the amount of time you're gonna spend <laughs> with me writing this thing, like there's other people that know how to do this, you know? Um, so that was my first um, <laughs> lesson on like, hey, there's not gonna be anybody to go to. Like, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. You gotta teach yourself. And when you start your own business, there really isn't anybody to go to. And so half the things I, I've read books on finance, how to do QuickBooks, um, HR. There's, there's like a professional development program. I've, I've gone to like almost all the classes I can learning how to do marketing. I mean, you're the buck stops with you and you've got to know all of these different elements about business. And so I usually pick a topic, um, in the winter because thank God we have downtime. So spring comes around, all I do is, you know, focus on customers and jobs and whatever. But when fall comes, I start thinking about, okay, what, what part of my business really needs to improve? What part of myself do I need to improve? What, what do I need to do to like make this business run better? And then I create a big reading list and I get all the books and I put them next to my bed and I try to read through them and see what I can get out of them. Um, mm -hmm. And so after 17 years of having the business i've i've made it through quite a few you know business books finance books um yeah i mean that's pretty much the basis yeah so i'm gonna quibble with your earlier statement that you don't have a business education you have a very fine business education it just doesn't have a degree attached to it that's correct it's, it's self-curated i guess based on need based on need, not on like an esoteric, some kind of esoteric curriculum. Yeah. Well, and, and the experience, right? I mean, that's experience right. is a really good teacher. So I've learned a lot of lessons on things that I've done wrong. There's no better teacher than failure. This is what I try to and tell. I don't mean like, yeah. I don't mean ultimate failure, but like struggle. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know how to do this. I'm not doing this very well. I need to get better at this. Yeah. And so you do. Yeah. I, and I try to tell people at work who, who really don't want to have to like delegate to somebody new because it's going to be more work. because they're going to make mistakes. And I'm like, unfortunately, that's the only way they're going to learn what you know, you know, mm -hmm. like you can tell them everything you can and they might think, Oh, this isn't that important. And then when they mess it up, they're going to be like, I'm never doing that again. You know? <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. So actually <laughs> the, uh, just yesterday, I was it yesterday or the day before the crew comes to my house to cut grass. And, um, I have a young woman who works on one of my crews. She, she was cutting the grass and the lawnmower run out, ran out of gra uh, gas in the middle of the lawn, had to like walk down the block to get it. I'm waiting. I, 
taking forever to get back. And when she comes walking up, she's lugging like the five gallons of gas, like sweating, walking down the block. And so the guys are laughing at her. And I and he says, what? maybe you should check it before you get it out. And I said, yeah, what happened? He's, she's like, well, I checked it before lunch. I forgot to check it after that one. And I said, well, did you learn a lesson? She's like, I learned my lesson. I said, you're going to do that again? Nope. <laughs> Never going to do that again. I was like, I don't think you will. Well, I was going to ask you if there's anything you know in life to be true, but I think you just told me. Mm. Uh, and it has to do with learning and the oh yeah, the essence of learning, basically. Yeah, I I do think that that's so. It's an interesting. Um, in some ways, it's saying like it's really hard to ever say that something is really true because I think most things are are based on perspective and relative and changing. But what I can say is that I do think that you always have to have an open mind and always be trying to seek new understanding. And so maybe that is, that is something that's true. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you two more questions and then we'll be done. Okay. Tell me about an experience of great beauty in your life. A time that you really experienced deep beauty. Well, you you asked this question before that I had answered for you briefly on your one of your surveys, and for me, the very first thing that came to my mind because I would say like, oh, that's such a such a hard question to answer because there's so many things that I think is beautiful, and but when you asked that, the immediate thing that came to my mind was this moment when I was really young probably, I can't say exactly, but probably in like kindergarten or first grade, something to that effect. My mom worked late into the evenings and often went out in the evenings and wasn't home. And my sister and I were kind of required to come home and sort of make our own dinners and take care of ourselves to some degree. And um, my mom came home one really early morning and just said, girls, get up. We're going to go to the beach get your clothes on, let's go, like woke us up in the dark and took us out to the beach. We went out to Foster Beach because uh, I used to live right across the street from Amundsen High School. And we went over to Foster Beach with a friend of hers and their kids. And we were all just like, I was in my pajamas and we just like got to the, to the beach and um, the sun started to rise and it cast this like incredible orangey glow across the entire sky which reflected on all of the water and mm. I remember being like partway in the water and seeing just just the silhouettes of some of the other kids that were with us in the water and something about that moment to me was very filling and was very captivating and felt really beautiful really peaceful um, and I think it was a moment of feeling really present mm -hmm. And you were so young. Yeah. yeah. It seems like there are moments of small beauty that happen all the time and they, they come and go and they're fleeting. But occasionally we get one of these that are just tremendous. And I, I suspect there's also something true in them. Um, but, and so they stick. And I remember when I was really little also, I think maybe only three. I remember uh, it was the 4th of July, which is really appropriate 
because we're recording this on the 2nd of July. Yeah. Um, 4th of July. And I saw uh, my neighbor was setting off kind of big fireworks, which I hate. I have a terrible Mm. phobia of fireworks. Mm. So my mom says I was screaming and hiding, but I remember at least seeing one (laughs) that shot up and it was red and it exploded red and all the sparks went in all different directions. And there was one that just kept going and going and going and just eventually it was all by itself and then it just kind of faded away. And I thought that was the most beautiful and sad thing mm. that anybody could ever see. Yeah. And I was like three. Mm. I, I, we are hardwired for this, I think. We are hardwired for these moments of like intense beauty and, and, and truth. Well, I think, um, you know, there's something to be said about the whole idea of being really present to where you can capture these moments or really acknowledge these moments because mm-hmm. I do feel like the most beautiful things that I encounter are some of the smallest, most simplest things that happen to interject themselves in the middle of probably pretty crappy times or something like that. So that that morning to me is one of those when I was a kid. Cause that was mm-hmm. like sort you know, not the most magical period of my life when I was growing up, but then to have that moment interjected, it, it was amplified the beauty of it because it was like, wow, this really stands out from the rest of the things. And to me, unfortunately, I think a lot of people miss out on so much beauty that's right there in their life because they're not present or they're too focused inside themselves or to take it full circle, to talk about pursuing what other, other people's perception of beauty is in terms of like the Instagram stuff, even traveling people like now it's all about like, what picture can you get for Instagram? And I, I just stare at these pictures like, did you really even enjoy that? You know? Um, Mm -hmm. and for me, I can tell you just last weekend when I was working in my yard, I'm like shoveling this soil off of my, um, my truck in my driveway with my son and we're like shoveling and shoveling and it was hot and I was tired. And then all of a sudden this like little fuzzy caterpillar showed up on the tailgate and was just like cruising across the back of the tailgate. And we were just like paused everything, jumped down and just like watched him. And it was fascinating and it was beautiful and it was really um, such a very insignificant moment that just could bring some joy, you know? And I think that if people could spend more time being present enough to capture those moments, um, I think their experience in life would be really different. I mean, I can even use the example. I think most of the people in Chicago saw that incredible um, rainbow that was last weekend too. Oh, yeah. That was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like definitely the brightest rainbow I've ever seen in my life. So let me set this up for people who weren't in Chicago because almost everybody in Chicago saw this. Um, the The little girls who live below me mm-hmm. saw it a little bit after I did and they ran out and they're like, oh, a rainbow, a rainbow. It was adorable. Um, but we had this absolutely massive storm. Um, I'm a weather nut and I was watching the radar and I was like, okay, this is going to be a pretty good storm. But I figured I could time it. This is this is a digressive story right now, but um, I'm not going to tell the whole story about the. Never mind. <laughs> the, 
it has to do with going to the grocery store and thinking I could time it. But as it as this as this line of red on the radar approached the city, it just suddenly expanded and it became not just a bad storm, but a really severe one. I don't think we had hail, but there were tree limbs down everywhere and it rained so hard that we had flash flooding in the in in my neighborhood. And then afterwards, everything it just kind of cleared up. And the the sunset was coming. And the sky was like the yellow. West. The sky was like yellow. That's what it that's was. What, that's what grabbed my attention. And and this was part of the story on my end was that I was sitting in my chair at my computer trying to answer work email and completely oblivious to the rest of the world and just, you know, kind of just plugging away. And I happened to look up and the windows above my bed, you can't see through them. They just, they're kind of frosted, but they were like Mm -hmm. bright, bright yellow. And I looked up and I was like, what the heck is going on there? And so I turned to look out the windows next to me that you could see out and framed perfectly in the giant window I was sitting in was this gloriously bright rainbow that in the yellow sky. And it was pictured like framed in my with my window perfectly out my window <laughs> and I think the story behind that is well, number one what a beautiful moment but number two is I would have missed it if I would have mm-hmm. just kept looking at my email and just being so focused on that if I had I never just picked up my eyes to see what was going on around me totally would have missed that phenomenal experience you know I'm gonna take this a step further or if you had looked up gone the light's yellow huh yeah. and went right back into your email without yeah, like I don't pursuing Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, there's so much very simple beauty around us that, uh, you know, I will say, I, I feel like I, I try to be tuned into, you know, and some of it is in people in really, in their relationships with them and, and just who they are as a person. And some of it is around, you know, the nature around me, but I have really, really busy days that are pretty scheduled tight together and it's one thing from the next, but often I will try to just like stop and take a deep breath and look up at like this really beautiful oak tree in my customer's yard Mm -hmm. and just take it in for a moment. And those little moments, you know, a couple of them scattered throughout the day is enough to get me through like a really kind of terrible day for other people. (laughs) You know, it's like, eh, whatever, like life is still beautiful, you know? You you are one one of the most even keeled people I know. And if this is the secret, then <laughs> dear listeners, listen up because well, because Marissa has an equanimity and a and a basic cheerfulness that is just a delight to my heart. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. I have I have kept you on this interview for a while, but I want to ask you one more question. Okay. I always ask my guests to send a picture of something that is either beautiful to them or feels true or is both beautiful and true. And then I ask you to tell me about it. So tell me about your picture, Marissa. So my picture, interestingly enough, I think ties to the, um, the beautiful moment I described in terms of the fact that, that when I was so young, that, that sunrise struck me as this ultimate moment of the world kind of pausing and just being completely present and feeling um, just really almost engulfed with this beauty. And I 
sent you a picture of what is actually a sunset, which I think is similar. And I think the thing is, is that sunrises and sunsets have always stuck with me through my whole life because of that very early moment. And so they, mm -hmm. they signify a very um, special moment of quiet in the world for me. And that particular picture is from a trip to California. And we went to, <laughs> we went to um, a beach and there happened to be this sort of, there was a beach that we were going to just walk on. And there was this little sign that said like, don't be careful falling around. I don't remember what the sign was, but Jenny kept walking over there being like, Oh, what is this? What does this look like a little hole in the wall? And I was like, I'm not that. No, I'm not going in there. That looks scary. It's dark. <laughs> Wait, a hole in what wall? It was like a mountain. There was a mountain that stretched to the water and in the middle, it looked like there was a door. I'm not even joking. Okay. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going. No, no way I'm going in that thing, you know, cause I'm like a little bit like scared of like, tight spaces and um she was like no these kids just came out like let's go through and i was like uh, i don't know so we're going through and it's like you're literally walking through a cave and mm -hmm. there it's like rocky it, at first it was paved and then it turned into rockiness and then there was like a log that you had to cross like some water to like get across and then you come out the other side of this mountain that ex expanded out across the beach and you come out and it was like the most beautiful, quiet, empty beach you could imagine because the only way you could get to it was through this scary hole in the mountain. And so we were like, this is really cool. Like nobody's over here. Let's just walk a little bit. And we walked a little bit. And by the time we were done turning around to come back, the sunset turned into this beautiful purple, incredible, really incredible sunset. And, um, yeah, that picture, that picture is stunning. I thought you sent me a stock photo. No. And I, I, had, I confess, I was a little bit like, Marissa. <laughs> no, that picture I took with my crappy iPhone and um, no filter. We literally stood there with this like just glassy water with the purple haze. Uh, the, it, it was incredible. It was quiet. It was peaceful. It was really beautiful. Um, and it was like, I, I couldn't describe a more perfect moment. Mm. And you had to take a little fairy path to get there. Fairy, like a troll path. It was like. <laughs> okay, fine. But you had a little, you had a little magical adventure yeah, to get to this yeah. isolated beach where yeah. you get to see. A, yeah. Yeah. And, Jen, I mean. and Jenny did fall <laughs> off the, the log and land in the water in order to get over there. So she, she did some sacrificing to get there. Oh, tribulations. Mm-hmm. It's almost it's almost like a, a very tiny hero's quest. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it was one. Yeah, it was great. So. Oh, well, goodness, Marissa, thank you so much. This was a just a wonderful conversation, and Good. I'm so glad that I got to have it with you and that you agreed to do this. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. I'm actually glad to have this kind of conversation with you because I see you all the time, and then we never really really talk like this. So I appreciate it. I want to thank Marissa again for joining me in this wonderful conversation. I encourage you, especially if you're in the Chicagoland area, to visit her website, KamoraLandscapes.com, where you can see some of her wonderful work. 
She makes me dream of having my own backyard escape someday. That's www.kemoralandscapes.com. As always, thank you for listening, and if you like what you hear, find us on iTunes and subscribe. Search for The Beautiful and True Project. I hope that listening inspires you to focus on the beautiful and true in your own life. We'll talk again next Sunday. Have a great week.